How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. In the Bank Sunday, Jay Binkley, Christopher Tenpenny, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We got to do that, Christopher, first thing uh, first. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Best day, best holiday, right? Shout out my mom, you know. I got a break this year. My mom's in uh, Puerto Rico on vacation, so. Uh, that sounds good. Shout out to your mom. Yeah, shout out to my mom. She's she's doing Mother's Day right. No kids and and on vacation. I mean, that's the best way to do it, right? Shout out to all the listeners out there and your mom. This is a big sports day too. It's uh, coinciding with uh, with Mother's Day, which does cause some dilemmas because it's one of those days you you really hope for rain. Like as much as it's rain, this is when you kind of hope for rain. Why, Christopher? Why am I saying this? Well, the Royals have a doubleheader. Maybe maybe baseball's your thing. I know you're going to be here all day long with Vern doing. Uh, Kansas City Royals stuff. But the F1 race in Miami's today. Darlington, NASCAR, if you're a race fan, that's on at 2.30. You get the F1 race at 2.30. You've got a couple of good races, the NBA playoffs, you name it. This is a really, really good sports day. You in the F1 at all? Wait, what? F1 racing, Formula 1 racing. Huh. Uh, I just can't do racing. Okay, that's It's fine. not my thing. That's fair. I did know they're in Miami now. It's the second race in America. I didn't realize the Kentucky Derby was going on yesterday. That's how low on any kind of racing no. I am. That's another thing. <laughs> Kentucky Derby was on yesterday as well. Yeah, so. Big-time underdog wins it. Mike Leach was tweeting out today that uh, see what happens when you have an underdog. Go out and paraphrasing here, but see when you go out and have an underdog in uh, in the receiving area, what do you do? What tweet Bleach? He said the horse winning the Kentucky Derby Day is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. The horse hadn't won all race all the races leading up, but got its chance. And guess what happened? The win. So this is actually a really good sports weekend. You keep up with the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, because today you got Suns and Mavericks. You got the Heat and Seventy Sixers. That's in the uh, National Basketball Association. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on those. The games last night, the the first one was pretty good. Bucks Celtics, the the late game Memphis uh, Golden State got away from them. But NBA playoffs have been great. I I don't do NHL. I'm the generic, you know, basketball, baseball, football guy. But I'll I'll keep an eye on on the on the NBA games today. There's four NHL games today. So four NHL playoff games again. Find me a better sports day than this. Well, it's supposed to rain a little bit here and there. So you're not going to be able to go out and plant the stuff. I'm just guessing. I'm just saying. Take mom out and do whatever. Take her to brunch. Take her to lunch, whatever. But I'm just saying this is a pretty good sports day. Which sucks for us because, you know, there's so many good sports on. I digress. The Royals finally play today. Doubleheader today. Uh, it's about time they played because they rained out Friday. Rained out Saturday. Doubleheader today. And then tomorrow you got an 11 o'clock game, which is pretty early. I know you follow the Royals 10 pennies. So finally you get some Royals action today. It's Zach Grinke versus Jordan Lyles 
in the first game, which is 1235 Central. Vern will join you at 1130 uh, for that pregame there. And then, of course, the Royals will play later tonight at 4 o'clock. So basically just right after that game gets finished, have a little bit of break. Daniel Lynch and Bruce Zimmerman actually like the pitching matchup for the Royals. Except Keller's not going, but I like what Lynch is doing lately, and I like Grinky, of course. Yeah, it'll be good. And let's be honest, I think all the fan base needed those three days because they had the off day Thursday. So it's been three days since we've seen the Royals play, and that's probably a good thing with how they've been playing of late, especially offensively. So take a breather, regroup, and uh, wouldn't it be something if they were able to get both wins today? No, it'd be nice is what they need. I mean, I was sitting in here with Bob uh, Friday. He'll be here tomorrow morning with him as well. But uh, he was calling for some sweeps. And it's very difficult to call for sweeps because they've got the Orioles, they've got the Rangers, and they have the Colorado Rockies. Last year, they were actually had a losing record against the Orioles. They had a losing record against the Rangers. So you don't call for sweeps. You can call for two of three, but you don't call for sweeps. Well, you can. You can do whatever the hell you want. But it's just a sweep in baseball stuff to do, especially the Orioles aren't a great team this year with 10 wins, but it's two more than the Kansas City Royals. The Rangers aren't a good team this year. And the Royals have less wins than them, and they look at the Royals on the schedule and say, all right, this is when we can start winning some games. They see the Royals coming up and like, oh, okay, let's go get some now. Because this whole division has not been living up to standard. Not just the Royals, it's this whole division. If the Royals can't get the offense going during this road trip, there's no hope because the Orioles have a terrible pitching staff, the Rangers have a terrible pitching staff, and then we all know about Colorado and the mile-high effect at Coors. So, if we see no life from the offense, the Royals are in big trouble. There is a lot riding on this road trip, which feels weird to say in May, but, I mean, that's where the Royals put themselves like they seem to always do. I mean, you can bear yourself, but this division is so bad, too. I mean, you have to wonder about this division and what goes on. But the good news is you got Grinky going. You got Daniel Lynch that's going against not-so-great offense of Baltimore. Then you got Brad Keller, the first game in Texas on Tuesday. And we know how good Brad Keller's been. Keller's been awesome. Grinky's been awesome. But he gets no run support. What, eight runs in the last five games for Zagarinke for run support? He's just not getting the run support needed. But let's put it this way. You get those wins at the front because it gets thin after that. It gets thin after Brad Keller with the starting rotation. I mean, with what they did with Chris Bubich and how they evaluated him as the third starter (laughs) coming out of camp, that's a little concerning. Who do you think is going to replace? Him? I think Singer is. They're, you, they're stretching him out in Omaha now. Right, but he's like, looked pretty good. know it, Singer's up there. You know, I mean, he's looked okay up in Omaha. Yeah, no, Singer threw five. What was it, five shot outings two or three days? But ago. again, that's Omaha. Yeah, and getting AAA pit hitters out is much different than here, and we've seen it all the time. Like Coar is struggling a bit, oh. I think, at Omaha, but usually he goes up there and just kills it. Right. But again, you don't want guys to kill it there. You want them to do it here. I'm I'm a singer supporter. I've always liked Brady Singer. I like the the energy he brings when he pitches. I know some people it rubs a long way. I wouldn't mind Heasley coming up either though and getting a shot because we've seen Singer and we know what Singer is at this point. Heasley, you know, I think only made one or two starts at the end of last year. I think he'll get a chance. Yeah, eventually we'll see him but, sooner rather than later. Right. So those are the two names though. The guy that I want to see and it's going to take a minute is Bolin. Bolin was part of that 2018 draft class and. He had Tommy John last year, but he's a big dude, played at Memphis, so he had that college experience, so he's at double-A right now doing a great job. I mean, he's done a double-A, he's had a couple starts, but he's playing well. He's the one that made Team USA and wasn't able to go because of the Tommy John, but there are other guys out there for the Kansas City Royals. If Singer doesn't work out, 
if Bubich doesn't work out, which it seems to me he's going to be a long relief guy for the Kansas City Royals. Getting Singer to be a quality starter, you know, that's that's something they need. I mean, they need some of these first-round picks to come out and turn out for the Kansas City Royals. But if you get somebody else in that, like Daniel Lynch was a, technically a first-rounder that year, too. Well, yeah, with like what Keller and Lynch are doing, you don't need to come up here and be an ace or a number two. Just come up here, give the team five, six solid innings, you know, three, four runs a start. And that's all we need. We we need some innings and we need some quality innings. We don't need the guys to be, you know, the ace or number two of those rotation because Grinky Keller and Lynch have done a heck of a job doing that so far this season. The Twins are kind of running away with the division at this point. And you saw how bad that they were playing when they played in Kansas City. I mean, they were off to their slowest start offensively they ever had in the history of the Twins. But they sit there 17 and 11. They get a three-game lead on the White Sox that are 13 and 13. They've been treading water, but the White Sox have won five in a row. So the White Sox have won five in a row. They're back to 500. Then you have Cleveland. It's 13 and 14. Cleveland doesn't impress me either. And the Royals have seen all these teams. There's not one that jumps out to you and just really impresses you out of that bunch. Were you impressed with the White Sox? I sure the hell wasn't. Were you impressed by the Twins? I weren't. wasn't, but they're playing better now. They're 7-3 and three in the last 10 like the White Sox are. The Royals sit at 8-15, and 15, six and a half games back. From the Minnesota Twins, then there's Detroit at 8-18, eight and 18, eight games back because they played more games. There's been more opportunities to lose for Detroit. I figured, I thought Detroit was going to be better than what they are right now. I thought this whole division, going into it, I thought this was going to be a really competitive division. It still has a chance. It's early. I mean, we just turned uh, into May, so we'll see what happens in this division. But a good roll can put you right back in the thick of things. Yeah, I still have too much faith in the White Sox. There's just too much talent on that team. Yeah, they got off to a slow ton of start. injuries, ton of injuries, ton, and, and, and they're bad defensively. But with the talent they have around and the way they can hit, and their starting pitching's pretty good. I mean, they're turning around. I think eventually they'll run away with it, especially with the Twins starting to pick up some injuries. Correa's out, so we'll see how that goes. But you're right; the division is wide open, and if the Royals make a run, they could see themselves right back in it. But it needs to happen on this road trip, or it's never going to. And the Royals had a winning record. Last year against everybody in the division but Cleveland. Like literally had a winning record against everybody in the in this division but the Cleveland Indians or Guardians at this point. But again, Chicago didn't impress me at all when the Royals played them. I and I you, you talk about defensively. Uh, I haven't looked at it recently, but last week when I looked, they were leading Major League Baseball in errors. I mean, Tim Anderson's already got seven at this point. He's very uncharacteristic, but they don't play defense. Like this team, the Royals team does play defense. And their speed on the base pass that they really haven't utilized much to this point. Mondesi being on the lineup really hurts as far as the speed department is for the Royals. I mean, Bobby Wood Jr. is fast. And he's the fastest guy in Major League Baseball right now as far as going home the first. So we'll see. But uh, the airs playing defense, you got to play defense. You just have to play defense. So Chicago, I went back and forth burn on this last year. I was like, man, we'll see how fast they lose in the playoffs. I was impressed with them. I mean, the Royals, again, winning record against them. I mean, Royals were on a good team last year, but yet had a winning record against the White Sox. And I think that was pretty telling. I think that was pretty telling how the White Sox went. But injuries are derailing them. This could be Minnesota's year because what Minnesota does is they're bad, then they're good, then they're bad, then they're good. Maybe this is the Twins' year. Although Carlos Correa is going to be at uh, – doesn't have a fractured finger, though. So I guess he could be back – Sooner rather than later. I haven't seen the timeline on him, but uh, he did not have a fractured finger, so we'll see with Korea. So 
Anyway, that's the Minnesota Twins. Coming up next, we'll go back to the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, it was the draft last weekend we were so busy talking about. And James Palmer of NFL Network had an interesting thing to say about Sky Moore in his role with his Chiefs offense. We'll address that next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And welcome back to Big Sunday. The Royals announced the following transaction today for the doubleheader because you get to add the 27th man. You remember it used to be 28 men May 1st. You had to go back to 26. But on days of doubleheaders, you can put a 27th man. Sebastian Rivera, the catcher, will be the 27th man for the Kansas City Royals. Today with a nice doubleheader in Baltimore. It just seems like they haven't played forever, man. The off day Thursday, right now Friday and Saturday. Afternoon game, was it Wednesday? They're all running together now. Was it Wednesday afternoon game? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so an afternoon game Wednesday. No game Thursday. That was an off day. Friday rain out, Saturday rain out. It's like, let's play some ball, man. Might be good for him because they've had some losing going on. You know, to regroup things or whatever. But anyway, Sebastian Rivero called up for the Kansas City Royals. Sky Moore, of course, one of the guys that uh, I'm actually really excited about for this Chiefs wide receiver core. No, they're not as top-heavy with having a Tyree Kill out there, a wide receiver for the Chiefs, but they are deep. Juju, MVS, Sky Moore. I don't think where one guy being out completely hurts you, like Tyree Kill being out would hurt you because there's a big gap between him and Pringle and McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. There was just a gap. I think the uh, the gap is closed up for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Andy Reid was on with uh, Carrington uh, on Friday, and I'll have some uh, things that he said later on the show when he talked about uh, just the receiver position in the National Football League, waiting for McCole Hardman. Uh, he thinks he can uh, continue to develop and his thoughts on Juju Smith-Schuster. But here was James Palmer from NFL Network on the Chiefs wide receiver room. They did. They went defense with those first two picks that they had in the first round, Omar. And from my understanding, they really weren't going to go wide receiver, which was something that we were all kind of talking about. Where will they go? Will they try to trade up to get one of these top tier wide receivers at the top end of the first round? And I think what we're seeing, Omar, is kind of the philosophy in Kansas City, which is we're going to develop wide receivers. And Sky Moore, they pick him in the second round. And as he gets out there at rookie minicamp, what you're going to see is another developmental process with a wide receiver. Yes, this is a crisp route runner that they believe knows how to get open, that really comes in very polished. 
demolished, but at the same time, they lose Tyreek Hill, weren't going to pay that money. When Tyreek Hill came in in 2016, he started one game as a rookie, and they developed him over time. Expect that to happen with Sky Moore as well. Yes, he'll be a part of this offense. Yes, he's a versatile player. That's what they love about all of these guys, that they continue to develop through their organization, that they like guys that can be moved around, and they think Moore can do that. They're going to try his hand at punt returns, at kick returns early in this offseason because they know he is a running back that is undersized but also has unbelievable speed and is fearless going over the middle. Those are a lot of traits that Tyreek Hill had. So if I think we're looking at philosophy and how they're going about building these pieces around now Patrick Mahomes, it hasn't changed much, Omar, over the years. They're going to find receivers in the draft. They're going to develop them over time. Yes, they have other pieces in place with Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS and McCole Hardiman's already there. He doesn't have to be the guy. And I think that's an important part of the process in Kansas City. So there you go, Sky Moore that uh, played a lot of different positions before he went to Western Michigan. He was playing corner, played some running back, was a quarterback as well. So look for trick plays when it comes to Sky Moore with this offense. But I'm excited to see what he can do. And there's really, relatively as few a hype as Sky Moore that you're starting to see with some of the people. I brought on Mark Ross from NFL Network this past week, and he's a talent evaluator, and he thinks that Sky Moore is the most underrated, his favorite player in the draft. I know Mel Kuyper called Sky Moore the most underrated player at any position in the National Football League draft. I'm surprised the Chiefs got him when they did. Didn't think he'd go 54, but that's the way things go. And at the end of the year, you look at it and say, well, why did this guy go 54? But I think the sky's the limit uh, for, well, no pun intended for Sky Moore, but I'm actually looking forward to it. I had Tim Lester, his coach on, this past weekend, and he kept talking about what a perfect system he's coming into for the Kansas City Chiefs. No, because I think he's just such a he's such a sponge. I mean, he's going to learn from these guys, and he's just going to work. You know, and that's who he is. He's been like that uh, since since I've known him. So he's going to show up and learn from everybody. And the more complex and cool stuff that Andy Reid comes up with, which I know he will, he'll he'll learn it and be ready for it the first time it's called. And uh, so that's, that's the thing that I'm most excited about. I sent him a text. We've been talking about this for a while, but I sent him a text this morning, a picture of, of Mahomes, and I, you know, I said, hey, you, know, you need to get open for this guy, but, but here's a side note. He may or may not be looking at you when he throws you the ball, so be ready for the ball. <laughs> he gave me the emojis back. It was funny. And here's his head coach, Tim Lester, on what kind of makes Sky more tick. I think the fact that he was a quarterback, you know, we've had, you know, Edel Edelman came out of our league and he's just, he thinks like a quarterback. So he knows all, every position on the field. He's obviously got all the athletic tools. He's got enormous mitts and, and he can get open. He's great after the catch, but, but his brain, I think is what makes him ready. I mean, they could put him, they can run any route. You can line him up anywhere. He'll know every position. And that's, that's really unique. Uh, when you get a guy that, that can think at the level that these NFL offenses roll. And uh, Tim Lester, the head coach, Western Michigan, is on with Carrington as well. And you heard he mentioned Edelman there. And he brings up Edelman quite a bit, was asked for his pro comp for Sky Moore, and this is what he said. Uh, and maybe it's because he came from our league, you know, and because he was an ex-quarterback. I think of Edelman. I mean, he, he is like Edelman. He is super smart. You, you move him around. He's good enough to play outside. Uh, but if you get him inside and put him on a linebacker, it's it's a wrap, you know. And and watching, uh, he went to Kent State, and 
uh, in our league. And then obviously he's had a great NFL career, but uh, he's the one that, you know, that I think he's probably top end faster than Edelman. Uh, but as far as the, the different things you can do with him and the way he sees the field and the way he gets like another coach out there. And uh, yes, he's probably designed to be in the slot, but he's, he's big enough to play outside when you want him to be outside. So uh, he, you know, that, that's the guy that I, think about because we we used them like that we moved them all over i mean the reason we got them all those catches is we put them on we always gave them good matchups because if we put them on one side he was going to be double teamed and so we we ended up moving them on most plays and then trying to get him good matchups zettelman was a quarterback at kent state they made that transition the wide receiver doing the patriots but he caught everything and his route running was absolutely incredible now brett veach was on with fesco in the morning and he was asking he was asked to comp Sky uh, more as well, and his comp was a little bit different. Yeah, I think he has some, you know, Stephon Diggs in him. You know, I, again, I think he, he's a guy that um, when asked to play on the outside, he can do it, but I think he's a great route runner. Um, I think he's a savvy route runner. I think he um, he's great after the catch. I think he's competitive. I think he's smart. Um, line him ball with the field, and, you know, Stephon wasn't the biggest guy, but you can do a lot with him, um, and he creates some, some matchup problems, so – Again, I hate putting uh, – these guys will have enough expectations on them to begin with, so uh, I hate – I'm very cautious throwing names out there. But Cautious throwing names out there with Sky Moore. I'm excited to see him. And St. Joe's going to be one of those times to get to see Sky Moore. And I think St. Joe's going to be a little bit different this year because we're excited to see these rookies. They're having the rookie minicamp now. It went yesterday. It's going today. It finishes up on Monday. That's when Andy Reid will talk. Some of these players have already, already talked about their experience at Kansas City. I'll bring that some of that to you later. They had stadium, but I'm excited to see Sky more. I mean, of all these guys, and they keep asking me, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? I go th- between about three. Go through Sky Moore, go through Karloftis, and I go for Leo Chanel just because he likes to hit people so much. I'm very excited to see what he could do, but Sky Moore stands out. I mocked him in the first round. He goes in the second round, but I always felt like he's first-round talent. A lot of people thought that Sky Moore was first-round talent. Just the way he runs routes, the way he catches everything, I think people are going to be surprised by him. And who's going to be the second leading receiver on this team because Kelsey's going to lead this team in receptions? He still is the number one target for Patrick Mahomes, and he always will be. But then who's number two? Is it Juju? I mean, I've been thinking Juju for the longest time. Or is it MVS? I don't think it's MVS. Or could it be Sky Moore? Maybe. We'll see how the rookie does, but there's no... (laughs) If you go back and redraft this once this year's done, you know, wide receivers four, five, six, and seven could be better than one, two, three, and four. I mean, it's or, or five, six, and seven could be better than one, two, three, and four. And I think that definitely has to be the case with some of these guys. But yes, rookie minicamp is going on. Later this month, they'll do uh, OTAs, minicamp. And before we know it, it'll be training camp up in St. Joe, which is going to be a ton of fun to see these rookies play because there's actually a lot of rookies to go watch. They took 10 this year, and for five straight years, they'd only taken six players. This year gives you a little bit more, and I think there's some curiosity on what Karloftis is, what Sky Moore can bring to the table. Seeing Trey McDuffie at cornerback, I think there's some intrigue with that position. But I think up and down this roster, Pacheco, and I told people to watch Jerry and Ely. He's already turning heads at rookie minicamp. He was an old Miss running back, and they have him running back slash wide receiver, they're listing the Chiefs uh, rookie minicamp. So keep an eye on him. I know people are excited about Pacheco, the seventh-round pick. That's fine. I mean, he does have a lot of potential as a bad offensive line at Rutgers. But keep your eye on Jerry and Ely. 
Because, I mean, this way I felt about Darrell Williams when he came up here from LSU as an undrafted guy, and look at the year that he had last year. But coming up next, the lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, Ron Kopp, will discuss rookie minicamp with him. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome back to Bank Sunday. Jay Binkley, Christopher Tenpenny. Royals doubleheader today. Vern comes your way at 11.30. But now it's time to talk football. With my guy, the lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, Ron Kopp. Ron, good morning to you. Morning, Jay. How are you doing today? It's good. Ricky Minicamp going on for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's always nice when there's some form of practice for the Chiefs, even though it's not full pads or whatever. It's still fun to see the undrafted free agents come to town few guys from last year, like Cornell Powell in the mix, and then, of course, uh, the draft picks from this past year. And I'll tell you this much, Ron, and I don't know why I'm so excited about him, but I am sold on Jerry Neely. Whether he makes his team or not, he's running back. They have him listed as running back slash wide receiver. 768 yards rushing last year, 5.8 per, but also added in 32 catches as well. Hey, I know people are really excited about Pacheco, the seventh-round pick, but I'm telling you this much. Ely's not far behind. Hey, I'm glad you brought him up because I actually have a, a very similar take on that because when Pacheco first got drafted, you know, I, you know, I didn't know much about him, to be honest with you. I saw the 40 time. I, I saw some highlights. But from, from reading into, you know, the people I trusted, they're pending on him and just seeing some of the things, you know, the limited things I saw from him, I do think there's a chance he could be more of a specialist type of player rather than a true running back rather than someone, you know, to be, you know, in the running back rotation. I think – they might be hoping Pacheco can take that kick return duty and be more of that, that kind of role. You know, I, I kind of come from the Nile Davis when they first drafted him. I'm someone that, you know, he, he, he made some big plays for the Chiefs, right? Because he was a super fast dude, pretty big build. And that's what Pacheco is. But maybe just lacks some of that running back feel that you want from a guy that can give you, tr- you know, true running back snaps, 10 to 15 carries in a game. I think Ely might have a little bit more of that. So I'm glad you brought him up. Um, because, yeah, obviously they're interested in him, you know, seeing him at running back and receiver. I think that kind of shows you they're kind of interested in the versatility he can bring. You know, I, I do I do think the reason maybe an Ely was an undrafted free agent and then Pacheco was an actual draft pick was maybe because they knew Pacheco, you know, they might have had to compete for his services a little more in undrafted free agency rather than Ely. Maybe they had a, they had a fit, better feel for, okay, we can get this guy. So, I, you know, it, it's pretty easy to say, hey, look, one guy got drafted, one guy didn't. So they obviously value one guy more. I think it was more of the fact that they, they knew, you know, they knew they had a better chance of maybe getting Ely and undrafted free agency. So I was not, you know, I, I put, I put them pretty close together in a battle. I wouldn't, you know, put, you know, Pacheco over him just because of the draft pick. So I'm glad you're, you're hyping up Ely a little bit. I think he's going to be an exciting game to follow this summer. Yeah, I do. I mean, I want to see what he could do. I want to see what Justin Ross could do. A lot of people have been excited about Justin Ross and what he can bring. And you looked at all the mocks as well, Ron, and, you know, he went everywhere from second round, third round, fourth round, 
The fact that he went undrafted, I think, caught a lot of people off guard, but I think his 40-time in injury history really limited him as far as the draft was concerned. Yeah, you talk about you know having something to react to Ricky Minicamp. You gotta love the Chiefs putting out a five second video and it taking you know taking Twitter by storm because Justin Ross looking pretty fast and looking good in and out of his cuts. Uh, yeah, he he is an exciting name to follow. Obviously, we you know anyone who follows college football understands the type of talent he was at one point. And you know I think with people with with a lot of Chiefs fans, especially us at Arrowhead Pride, I think a lot of us. In that second round range, we're kind of looking at George Pickens as that X type, that bigger receiver that can go up and get a jump ball and, and kind of be a, a vertical threat while being at that, that bigger size. Well, hey, I, I think Justin Ross is kind of that, that kind of thing at that kind of player without using any draft capital on it, right? Um, so I, I do think, you know, when a lot of Chiefs Kingdom, I, I really do think likes, you know, likes the thought of a bigger receiver like that X type receiver in the offense. We really haven't had a true guy like that in the Patrick Mahomes offense. Sammy Watkins is as close as it gets, but he he was more of a short to intermediate, uh, you know, route player guy who won you know off the line pretty quickly rather than you know that that typical X like a George Pickens, like I said. So it is exciting because I do think Ross has that body profile to be that kind of player, and I think Chiefs Kingdom has been waiting for that kind of player. But we'll obviously see. I, I you know if I have to predict right now, I'd, I'd say we have to wait at least a year to to really. Uh, you know, see, you know, I think he's going to be a practice squad guy this year, and then maybe they sure. get a shot next year to be on the roster. But, again, I'm glad they took the swing. Why not take that swing? You know, he's a guy that maybe in a few years all of a sudden everyone's, you know, thinking how the heck did we let the Chiefs do that. Yeah, and the, a lot of these rookies I'm excited about seeing. Is there anyone that particularly stands out to do you? Because I talked to you last week, and I, I told you there was three guys that really stood out to me. And Karloftis, I want to see what Leo Chanel can do, and I was really interested in Sky Moore. Any of those three or anybody could be anybody, not just those three, really stand out as guys you want to see? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll go off another name because I do think it was interesting when the Chiefs made the draft pick for Trent McDuffie on that Thursday night. Andy Reid did kind of corner, not corner him in, but kind of basically called him an outside cornerback, right? He, he basically labeled him, hey, he's going to come, come here, play outside corner. Well, all of a sudden, you know, rookie minicamp, he, you know, McDuffie comes to his press conference and tells us he's working outside and in the nickel, that slot position, yep. which obviously, hey, you know, that's, that's you know, you, you just want to be traditional versatile. That could mean, you know, that couldn't mean much. Uh, but at the same time, I do think there is something to McDuffie, you know, talking about being Tyron Matthew role when he first got drafted. You know, even his coach at Washington, I heard somewhere kind of comp him to, to Tyron Matthew in terms of how he kind of thinks about the game and how he plays the game. I do think there's a chance that the Chiefs, you know, one of the things they really liked, you know, trading up and getting him was that he's going to be super versatile around the defense, and they already have guys like that. You know, I think Sneed is in a similar vein, Ladarius Sneed, someone that can come into the slot. I really like Sneed in the slot, so that's where I, I kind of hope they, they kind of trust Sneed more in the slot because I really, I, I really think, you know, he's just like an outside out there at times. He's so good around the line of scrimmage, so good against the run, so good as a blitzer. McDuffie may not give them that as much, but maybe he's a better cover corner in those situations where a lot of offenses in today's NFL, they put their best receiver in the slot. They want to work that spot because, hey, you don't have that sideline right next to you. You don't you have a two-way go as a receiver, and that really puts a lot more pressure on the corner. Maybe the chief thought process is, hey, now we have a better cover corner for that slot position. So when those matchups happen in the slot, we can trust McDuffie a little more. Because, you know, hey, I, I know I mentioned Sneed's strengths. You know, maybe his strengths are not, you know, being a sticky man coverage player. Although I do think, He's pretty good at that. So all that to say, I am fascinated to see exactly how McDuffie is used as we see as we see the summer go along. 
if he really is going to be, you know, somebody interchanging the slot quite a bit, man, there's going to be a lot of versatility in this back end. It's going to let Spagnuolo get really creative with what he does in pass coverage this season. Talk to uh, Ron Kopp, lead analyst for OverheadPride.com. What do you think they're going to end up doing with Leo Chanel? Because I could see him being on first and second down until the coverage skills kind of, you know, match up with him. But he does bring that blitz from the interior. You know, the eight sacks last year for Wisconsin, he actually led them the last two years in the sacks. So you're not talking about somebody on the edge. You're someone talking about somebody who can bring that pressure up through the middle. He's really an intriguing guy to me because he's such a run stuffer. But on first and second down, I think he'd be perfect for this defense. Yeah, man, I'm really excited about Chanel. I just wrote him up for the site, so if, if you want to go look at an in-depth breakdown of him, go check out everheadpride.com. It'll be up there. Yeah, I think right away, I, I think Breach was correct when he said that he's going to be the same linebacker, which I, I, I like the thought of him being in that base, base formation, you know, being on the field on those early downs and those run formations maybe. But he's also going to back up the mic position. Now that's where it gets interesting to me. Man, you, you just mentioned it there, the off-ball blitzing. You know, not blitzing maybe from the edge, but how fast he gets to the backfield from that off-ball position, from a, a, a traditional Mike linebacker alignment. Man, that's where I think there could be a chance that, you know, as, this, as it gets going, as he gets more comfortable in the defense, when they're in those base formations, there's a chance maybe they want someone, one of the other two linebackers to play that Sam so they take advantage of Chanel's ability from that off-ball alignment. Now, obviously, you know, as a Sam, you're not going to always be on the line scrimmage, but that's what happens a lot of the time, you know, when you're playing in the base. Is that Sam comes up and is more of an edge player, more of a guy, you know, uh, facing the tight end right at the line of scrimmage. And Chanel is definitely going to be able to do it. He has the strength. You watch his, his game against Iowa last year, man. Him and Tyler Linderbaum, I wouldn't even want to call it a battle because Chanel got him so good. I, you know, I, I think I said it on your show last week, but Chanel, I think Lunderbaum has nightmares about Chanel from that game. It's because he has the strength to take on blockers on the line of scrimmage. He has that raw power. But, again, I really, I really want to see – I'm fascinated to see if they want to take advantage of him more as an off-ball guy because he gets downhill so quick. He is such a missile, you know, coming into the backfield from, you know, from a mic, you know, an off-ball position, like I said. Maybe they want to put Bolton or Gay on the line of scrimmage to take advantage of Chanel kind of being, you know, a, a missile, like I said, from the off-ball alignment. Either way, man, they're going to have a really fun trio of linebackers, man. Chanel is going to be such a, a good complement to what they already have at Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. How bad do they need Melvin Ingram to come back so that uh, Karloftis won't have as many expectations on him? He can be a guy that fits in the rotation? Yeah, that's exactly. I, I think Melvin Ingram is playing the plans. I think we're, we're all aware of that, and I think it's going to be smart because I think Karloftis is a guy that you're going to trust right away, I, I, I believe, to come in and eat up snaps. You know, I think you're gonna, you can throw him in especially on first and second down. He's just going to give you good effort, you know, good play strength. We're going to eat up snaps. So that allows Melvin Ingram, in my opinion, to be more of a situational player. He should have been probably last year. It's just that the, the pass rush was so bad. I needed him to play 80% of the snaps most of the time. I don't think they'll need that from because of Karloftis' and, and Mike Dana, to say, their ability to eat up snaps on the early downs and let Ingram just be a pass rusher. So, yeah, I think it, it does take pressure off Karloftis. He, you know, on those pass rush packages, he may be the fourth, option of a four-man rush now. You know, Frank Clark, Ingram, and Chris Jones. If Karloftis is that fourth guy, take a lot of pressure off of him, which is a lot different from what he had to deal with at Purdue, where he was getting double-teamed and the main focus of every opposing offensive line. So I do think that's going to help him, and he talked about that actually yesterday. I wrote up an article on that, so go check it out, because he's definitely excited, I think, to uh, to not be facing double-teams every single play like he was the last couple of years. Well, off-season workouts May 25th, 26th, May 31st, and June 2nd. June 7th through 10th, mandatory minicamp. 
June 14th through 16th. Sky Moore's been interesting because Brett Veach was on the station. He compared him to uh, to Stephon Diggs. Said he had a little Stephon Diggs in him. He didn't like making comparisons, but he did say that. And then Tim Lester's coach brought up Julian Edelman. Obviously, Edelman was a quarterback at Kent State, but the way he ran rounds and caught everything for the New England Patriots. So his comparison's been all over. I had Mark Ross, the former personnel guy, personnel guy from the New York Giants, won a couple rings with them from NFL Network, says it was his favorite player in the draft. Mel Kuyper called him the most underrated player to any position in the draft. So he comes in with a lot of expectations for a 54th overall pick. Yeah, and I like the Julian Edelman comp. Um, I, you know, it was actually one I brought up with you because the athletics Nate Tice uh, was someone who made that comp in the pre-draft process, and and it's it's one that that really stuck with me because I do I do see where that makes sense, right? A guy like Julian Edelman. I mean, if he's not on the right team, if he's not in the right situation, not in the right system, he may not be the special player we kind of all think of him as. You know, someone that really took advantage of Brady's preciseness and accuracy in the short to intermediate areas. And I think Sky Moore is a similar player. I, I, that's kind of how I think about him. If he was drafted by the, the wrong team, I really think we, he could be a guy that gets swept under the rug and we don't really hear much about. But he's going to be perfect for this Chiefs offense in terms of just like that Edelman comparison, where he's just going to, you know, he's going to get open against secondary coverage. You know, the Chiefs have a guy like Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster that defenses are going to really want to be, you know, taking away, obviously. I think Sky Moore is going to be able to create separation against you know, uh, the, the second, like I said, the secondary coverages, you know, not the, the not the primary coverage defenders. And also just be a guy that's going to give you reliable hands. He has huge hands. He, he, has, he has big hands for a receiver, you know, one of the bigger biggest hands in the class this year. And then, you know, I know the his coach also talked about it, but it's the football like too. And that's where Julian Edelman really succeeded. He was a former quarterback. I think Sky Moore can bring a lot of that too. And and the Chiefs have needed a guy. You know, I, I, I've mentioned it, you know, more, Mike Borgonzi, he kind of, one of the things when he was asked about what Sky Moore gives them that they haven't had in the past, in a roundabout way, he kind of came back to, well, we need guys that are going to be where they need to be on the route, or where they're supposed to be, I should say, and they're going to catch the ball. And I might, I think that might have been a little bit of a shot at Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson, guys that, you know, just at the time, just weren't very consistent catching the ball or being where they were supposed to be. I think Robinson, obviously, a little more than Pringle, but I think Sky Moore, they're trusting that he's going to be able to do that, and that's what they need right now, and so I think it's going to be a really good compliment, so that's why it's especially where they have great value, a really good pick for the Chiefs. Ron Kopp, lead analyst, zeroheadpride.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Ron underscore Kopp. That's K-O-P-P. He's got an article about George Karloftis up there at arrowheadpride.com right now. And who'd you say was coming out today? Well, uh, I got Leo Chanel on the site already, too. You might have to go okay. a little. This was a couple of days ago. But Darren Kennard, I just posted a bunch of good. clips on Twitter. Go check those out. He will be reviewed for the site coming up early this week. All right, my man. Thank you. Uh, have a good weekend, Ron, and we'll uh, talk to you after the schedule gets released. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Appreciate you. Guys. All right, yeah. there you go. Ron Cop, right there. The uh, jersey's been assigned. McDuffie's 21, Karloftis 56, Sky Moore 24, Brian Cook is 6, Leo Chanel 49, uh, Williams 23, Kennard 75, Pacheco 10, Watson 35, and Nazi Johnson 13. So there you go. There's your... Uh, uh, Chiefs uh, draft pick numbers. Why do we got to go back to 49 and 56 so quick? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't mind 56, but 49, like Leo, what are you doing, Leo? Yeah. He could have gone anything, but that's, uh, he went uh, Sorensen, went Dirty Dan. But anyway, we come back on Big Sunday. Trim McDuffie talked yesterday at Chiefs rookie minicamp. How is he adjusting? And he'll talk about outside and inside and doing both positions for the Chiefs next. 
You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bink Sunday, Jay Binkley. Christopher Tenpenny on this Mother's Day. We have Josh Vernier joining us at 10.30. Get you set for the doubleheader, Royals and Baltimore. Today, Trey McDuffie spoke to the media yesterday. There's all the rookies in town for the next three days. Here's Trent, the first uh, pick of the Kansas City Chiefs. Trent, yes. first question, dealing with barbecues, the barbecue fit, they've had yep. a chance to, you know, uh, kind of get a taste of Kansas City barbecue with some uh, local locales? I haven't yet. I just got back out here yesterday, so in the hotel and stuff, but definitely when I come back out, out in May and then summertime. Sure, I got to get a whole little list going so I can hit up a few barbecue spots. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely a obligation to come in here and do my best. But personally for me, I'm just coming in here to be the best team that I can be. Um, learn the installs and kind of just do what Spagnolia and Coach Merritt want me to do. So I can go out there and produce the way they want me to. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, we get to do a lot of unique things, um, and especially coming from UW, it's kind of some similar things here and there, so I'm able to pick up on it a little bit easier. So as of right now, I'm, I really like the playbook. You got three days here to make an impression uh, before OTAs. Yeah. And you start working with the veterans. What are you hoping to accomplish here these next three days? Yeah, um, definitely just get the lingo down. Um, definitely just learn how Coach Merritt speaks, how he kind of coaches, and then just get in there with all the rookies, you know, this new class that's came in, um, just get around them, build sort of that bond for us to go out there and show these vets that, you know, this rookie class is here to prove a point and here to help the team win any way we can. Yeah, what, did it, what did it feel like? I know it's been a lifelong dream. Yeah. What did it feel like to even put a uniform on, go through the facility, and sort of get a feel for this is going to be your future? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm taking it all in. I'm that guy that... uh. I take one day at a time, so just being here today is special to me, um, and I'm enjoying it. I mean, I'm over here smiling. I'm enjoying my time here, and everybody's been so amazing around here. So I'm very happy that I'm a part of this organization. Trip, what have you learned from? <laughs> what have you learned just so far? Like maybe talking to some guys that you know are in the NFL about just the difference between transitioning from college to the NFL. Yeah, um, I definitely know it's a mental game. Uh, making sure our time management is correct and just doing the little things right. Um, everybody here knows how to play football. Everybody here is fast and physical, but just taking the next step to do something a little different that can uh, boost your game and even just boost your overall as a teammate in the team. So just taking little things here and there, just a little knick-knack of things, just really honing in on the details of that is something that I personally am focusing on. What does that mean for you making the transition? I mean, because you, you have to do so much. You have to... Get your contract done. Yeah. You got to figure out what you're going to do financially. You got to pick a place. Can you talk about all the stuff that goes off the field? Yeah. No. Um, there's definitely a lot. You know, as far as coming to a new city, as far as understanding, you need a car, you need a place, um, where to go eat, like where to stay. It's definitely a lot. But I feel like I've brought, have a great support system that um, has helped me so much throughout this process, my family, my agency, um, and just slowing things down for me, you know, so I can focus more on football and have them take care of just all the outside stuff that maybe for me is just like, oof, oh, I got to do this now, I got to do this now, you know, just kind of like, oh, here you go, agent, like, can you deal with that? Because I want to go learn this playbook. So sort of just building a great team around me has helped me so much. Trent, what's the, uh, 
what, what's your sense of the plan for you this weekend? Are you just going to be on the outside? Or are you going to be moving about? Are you just going to find out when you get out there? You know, what have you learned so far? Yeah, um, right now I'm learning corner and nickel. Um, kind of just trying to learn both positions, go out there and just feel that out, you know? Yeah. yeah. I know the uh, your uniform number at Washington really meant something to you. Yeah. It's not the same one. You yeah. That. Yeah, no. I mean, I already came in knowing that a vet may have it and somebody does, and I'm totally okay with it. The number for me was more than just wearing it, you know, it was something that was personal to me. So I have it all marked up. I have all the jewelry and stuff for it. So wearing it out there, people already know the story. So it's okay. You've, you've accomplished a lot. And really, the only criticism anybody seems to have of you is that you're maybe just not as big as some other guys. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you listen to? Does that mean anything to you? Or does it leave you with anything to prove? Man, I do not listen to any of that. I mean, you guys know Tyron Matthew. Not a very big guy, but we make plays. And that's something that I go onto the field every day, just knowing that I want to be that guy that I call just like the spark guy, the guy you always see flashing on the screen here and there, um, and just all out effort. I mean, that's what I can control is my effort. And so just being able to control that and showing the coaches that I'm going to run around all over the field with my hair on fire each down is something that I'm going to put on tape. So what are your impressions of the rookie class? Right? Yeah. You know, we, we saw you all on Zoom and stuff, and now you guys are meeting each yeah. other. Uh, what's it like to get to get to know these guys? And yet, it hadn't been very long yet. Yeah. What do you feel this class can do for this organization? Yeah, no, um, this class has definitely came in trying to prove a point. Um, everybody's very confident, um, but everybody's kind of a brotherhood already. It kind of felt like I've already known these guys for a while, and it was like I just met them the other day. So um, they're very unique, and yeah, they're just willing to do the dirty work, which is something that I know I can do, and I love to be a part of that. What have your conversations been with Rashad Finn or Juan Thornhill, you know, players of the team? Yeah, yeah, um, not too much, you know. Um, they definitely hit me up over the time just talking about um, welcoming me to the team and just getting ready to go in and put in that work. And, I mean, I told them, I'm like, look, like, I'm coming in here to just put my head down and do what I have to do. Like, whatever you guys need, however I can help, like, let's get it going because at the end of the day, let's win games. Uh, Trent, kind of a similar question earlier. Yeah. You get to put a jersey on, a pro jersey for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. What's that mean to you getting out there and competing as a pro? Yeah, no, it's a dream come true. Um, but it's definitely uh, lights like a flame under me because I'm like, now it's, it's time to work. Like, now I got the jersey on, now I got the helmet. Like, now the journey begins, now the process begins of, like, going to play football, learning the playbook, and just doing what I've always dreamt of doing. So it's amazing. Trey, how much um, part of the pre-draft process where you're still trying to do, like, football techniques versus 40 times, you know, Whole time, weights, whole time. Um, and, and what did you want to sort of see improvement on before sort of this, yeah. this part of the trip? Yeah, um, one thing that I definitely worked on was I always told coaches that I'm working on my transitions out of my breaks. Um, coming to the league, everybody can get out of their breaks quick. Everybody knows how to run routes. So just being able to get out of my break even faster is going to be that decision between a pick, a PBU, or a catch tackle. Trent, what did it mean that, that not only were you selected by the Chiefs, but in a trade-up yeah. over the cornerback? What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it just shows that um, they want me to be a part of this team and that they have faith that I can come in here and work for them and do some good, and that's what I'm willing to prove, and that's what I'm going to put my head down and do for them. you got a lot of milestones, right? You get drafted, now you're here. You signed the contract mm -hmm. now, right? I mean, yeah. What that feel like to sign that? Have you, have you got online and checked the bank account? You nah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I just, no, nah, I, don't, I don't deal with none of that. I just text my family, sign, everybody was happy, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go study this playbook. So... Took a little bit of time to like take it in, and then it was right back to work for me. 
Okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Kansas City. Appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. The 21st pick in the draft for the Kansas City Chiefs, Trim McDuffie. You got to stop at the barbecue questions at first. They haven't had time, man. Barely been here. He's barely been here to find his best uh, barbecue. Let's go to the phone lines, talk to Big T and Shawnee. What's up, Big T? Hey, hey, not much, man. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah. uh, great stuff, man. That was a good interview. Uh, I could recommend a couple places. He's definitely got to check out Old Shawnee Pizza, yeah. Peanut, uh, Taze Burger Shack. Herbert he will. I mean, he will. He will. Yeah. We got some great restaurants. And, and Bing, remember I used to tell tell Werner, uh, Danny Duffy with all the right stuff. He well now it's uh, Trent McDuffie with all the right stuff. He will just replace that. How about that? Does that sound good, Vern? Or <laughs> Trent McDuffie? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Bing. So I want to talk about something. Uh, you know, yesterday had all those rookies in, and, and, and they got their numbers and everything and got their first taste of Arrowhead, and, and they look pretty in that red. They, I dig it, Bink. I'm getting so excited. Why won't football start right now? Does baseball even exist anymore, Bink? When's the last time we damn played a game? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. You better watch out for the sweep word because remember what happened to our asses last year? I texted your buddy Vern. They swept our asses last year, Baltimore. Remember that, Bink? But but anyway, Bankster, also, I want to talk about this. Nobody's even talking about it. What about the Kentucky Derby yesterday, Bink? <laughs> Upset City, baby. Upset City. I mean, 80 to 1. There was a huge bet on 80 to 1, but 80 to 1 doesn't win. Can you believe? Can you believe that? I mean, nobody even talks about it. I lo- remember they used to have the Woodlands Bank. I, I don't know if you remember that, but I used to go out there all the time. Man, I wish they'd bring. That I did back. too. And that was so exciting to watch that race yesterday. And and Bank, you know, today we got to go out and get us a victory. Hell, I don't even know if baseball exists anymore. Let's just cut it down. Two to victories. Let's yeah. play double headers. Let's start in May. Vern's got me hooked on on, on changing baseball because if they're losing fans like me at fifty seven, you're cooked baseball. But you know what? Let's go out and get that victory today. And as always, let's go Royals. There you go, Big T and Shawnee, right there. Two today, so you got two two wins today. Hopefully, we don't call for sweeps, but we do call for two out of three. That's what we call for. Coming up next, Andy Reid was on with the uh, drive. On Friday, I'll bring you the highlights of that next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.